0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Raheem. Nahmudu wa nasalli ala Rasulih al-Kareem. Amma um, Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the 7th of January in the year 2024. And Alhamdulillah we moved on to the 66th night. That we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah So the next section entitled "His Passing Away to Eternal Glory," as the fateful year of the beginning of the seventh decade after the Hijra, i.e., sixty AH, came near this most noble man's eagerness to leave the world became more and more intense. For instance, Sayyidina Abu Ghiraira, he once asked the person who passed by, where are you intending to go? The man replied, I'm going to the market. To which Abu Ghiraira replied, if you can purchase death for me before you return, then do so. Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Abi Shaiba in his Al Musannaf, Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat and Sharhul Sudur. So think about that. A person is going to the market. So what's he gonna do? He's buying or selling. So the man said, I, I'm I'm intending to to buy, you know, to, to do business. Abu Huraira said, can you buy me something? He said, of course, because buy me death. So, why did he say that? So, what he was saying was I'm now yearning for death. Meaning, I don't want to live. The time is getting close. Where our beloved messenger mentioned you don't want to be around. So, he's now yearning. He's telling people strange things and they're going, you know, how can we purchase death? <laughs> In Abu Naim al-Hiliya, number 1049, Al-Hassan ibn Musa, Rahmatullah alayhi, he said, Sayyidina Abu Haraira said to me during his last illness, when you see six signs in this world, then should one of you have control over the release of his soul from his body, then do so. For this is why I prefer to die today rather than to live. For I am afraid that such trials reach me. It's not the report. So Abu Huraira is dying, And he says, if you see these six signs, he goes, you should yearn to die. He goes, yearn to die if you see these six signs. And then he said, this is why I'm now yearning to die. Because I've seen these six signs. Then he said, they are. Firstly, when the brazen insolent governs you, those who are not worthy govern you. Secondly, when the government can be sold out, meaning you can bribe them. Thirdly, when atrocities, cruelties and bloodshed become of no importance. So the fitna, obviously, Muslims were just being killed for the sake of the dunya. Fourthly, when families are broken apart. Fifthly, when the hafts of swords are broken, and lastly, when a new generation of Muslims compete in flute like singing in the Quran, he goes, then you should yearn to die. Because that's why I now yearn to die. So now let's look at this very briefly. So what are the six signs? The brazen insolent governs you, meaning the ones who are governing, they are arrogant and they are also ignorant so they're going to cause harm to you when the government can be sold out disaster look at the Muslim lands bribery rampant amongst the high officials he goes look at the disaster that causes everybody suffers the ones who are innocent end up in prison Astaghfirullah. thirdly atrocities cruelties and bloodshed become irrelevant Because bloodshed yeah, it's, it's common it's normal why is that normal? Mm-hmm. Fourthly, families are broken apart. Fifthly, swords are broken. Meaning, so much people are, you know, engaging in unlawful spilling of blood. And sixthly, when a new generation of Muslim comes, and all they're interested in singing in the Quran <laughs> competitions. Mm-hmm. You know, when they start singing it. And what's interesting, as soon as you get, uh, you know, a, a renowned reciter, people flock to it. And if you even ask this question, people will look at you with daggers. You ask, isn't it more important to understand what Allah ta'ala is telling us than to hear his song? And what happens? Daggers come towards you. Oh Brother Allah, do And he goes, asked the question, I'm not you know I'm committing a sin. MashaAllah I'm not saying it's wrong to hear the Qur'an recited beautifully. But what's more important than that? To understand what Allah is telling you. Are you interested? And if you do a survey of those people, how many people are even making an effort to understand the Quran? And yet they flock into cars. And Abu Huraira goes, Go, wish to die. Mm. Allahu Akbar, the Almighty and Glorious, graciously answered the humble supplications of this most noble man. And Subhanallah, in the 59th year after the Hijrah, he fell seriously ill. <laughs> he goes, Please, Allah, I don't want to live to the 60th. So Allah tested him <coughs> right to the end. Just the year prior, he got seriously ill. So what happened? Muslim Ibn Bishop <laughs> said, Sayyidina Abu anhu." he began to weep during his final illness. Someone asked, Why are you weeping, O companion of Rasulullah? <laughs> he said, I am not weeping due to grief of leaving this world of yours. But I weep because the journey is long and the provisions are few. I have now journeyed to the height ahead of which there is now either paradise or hell. (laughs) La adri ala ayyatihima yukhadoonihim. Thus, I now do not know which of the two will be my abode. <laughs> SubhanAllah. <laughs> this is recorded in Ibn Sa'd in his tabaqat, volume 4, page 62. Ibn al Mubarak in his Zuhd, number 38. Abu Nu'aym al Hiliyah, number 1045. Al Bidayah, Ayat al Sahaba, volume 4, page 218 to 9 of the New English Translation. So he's weeping. Imagine he's he's dying. So, obviously, why is he weeping? He's not as if he's lived a, a sinful life, he's, you know, he's led a magnificent life. And look what he said, very important. I am not weeping due to the grief of leaving this world. You don't think I'm crying for this world. I'm not bothered about this world. I'm weeping because there's a long journey ahead and only a few provisions. Now think about that. Did he only do a few good deeds? So what was his provisions? The way I describe it is truckloads. <laughs> he sent truckloads to the akhirat. What did he say? The journey is too long. I don't think I've prepared enough. Mm-hmm. Then he said, now it's either paradise or hell. Mm-hmm. Those I do not now know which of the two I will turn to. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Where are the ones who supposed to make that statement. Imagine somebody asked you this question. Oh, I saw somebody making this statement when he was dying. What? and you quote this you think so then he asked you who do you think said that so you think okay just say it again brother mm-hmm. he must have been a must have been like a he's a Muslim obviously but he must have been a sinful Muslim have another guess maybe he was pious then he became corrupt have another guess is it even on your radar that he's a sahaba you know, you'd probably fall off your chair what are you talking about brother Abu Huraira said it. Thus, subhanallah living a most exalted and noble life piped, full of righteous and pure deeds this majestic man still considered he had not done enough in this mortal world. Subhanallah a truly powerful lesson for any with intellects. What did uh, Sayyidina Ali say? He said the journey is long. The provision is short. And the way is dangerous. In Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya, Hayat al-Sahab. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah wept over this. He wept over this statement of Ali. Why was he weeping over that statement? Because such a profound statement he's met. Amir al-Mumineen, Sayyidina Ali, The journey is long. So, average 65 years in the world, average. In 65 years, you have to prepare for a journey which is literally 100,000 years. 50,000 years day of judgment. Bridge of Salat, you know, 1,500 years. Stay in the grave, put another couple of hundred, maybe thousand years there. Then you've got, you know, the standing, then you got this, you've got the scales, you got, so around it, of 100,000 years. So for a 100,000 year journey, how many years have you got to prepare? Average, 65 so what did Ali say? Journey is long. Then he said the provision is short, meaning you haven't got time to waste. Then he said if that wasn't bad enough, the way is dangerous. Yeah. You've got shaitans who are attacking you. So you've got 65 years to prepare. That's bad enough. But guess what? You've got the shaitan, hidden shaitan, trying to distract you from preparing. Then you've got the world trying to trap you. Then you've got human shaitans. Oh, prayer time, prayer time, prayer time. Then you've got bad company. So the way is dangerous. So half they ibn a wept. He goes, What a profound statement from Amir al mumineen He goes, it's a journey. And look how beautiful. Ali was playing the once, very long during the night. Somebody says, Abir al He Because you work so hard during the day and you worship so hard during the night. He goes, When, when are you gonna when are you gonna get rest? It was when do you rest? So Hazrat Ali said, the journey is shortened by night. <laughs> so what was he talking about? Right? He wasn't talking about you know going to London, Heathrow, night time is nice and clear. He quoted a hadith. What did the Prophet say? The journey is shortened by night. He said that. So if you travel at night, your distance will be coming easily. He's talking about a physical journey. The Prophet in Imam Malik's muwatta. As Ali said, there's another meaning to that. You worship at night, your spiritual journey is shortened. <laughs> How priceless is tahajjit? One hadith. In Qanzul Omal, the Prophet said, two raqats in the last portion of the night is more, has more value than the whole world and all that it contains. Mm. Than the entire wealth of this earth so what is the entire wealth of this earth somebody goes let's just forget about the entire world just diamonds just give us the diamonds what's the wealth of this world computer fellow okay. yeah that's just diamonds he goes, okay let's go to gold just gold computer fellow okay. yeah plutonium just forget about the whole world but they just certain elements all of that minus somebody offers it here all of it: diamonds gold platinum silver you know, you got everything. And somebody goes, Oh, two rakats ta'ajj at the end of, you know, end the night. <laughs> you think, you being serious, right? And he goes, yeah. The entire world, all that it contains. Bad judgment. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the Prophet said, two rakats is more. Why? Because it shortens the journey. What did the Prophet say to Salman al-Farsi? He said in Abu Nuaym al-Hilya, prostrating during the night, Takes away the darkness in the grave. Prostrations during the night take away the darkness in the grave. Look how beautiful! You're in the darkness of the night. You're worshipping. So Allah, Allah converts that darkness into light now in the in the grave. So not here. What was Sayyidina Abu Hurairah saying? I haven't done enough. And if you've been through his worship, you're thinking he hasn't done enough. Then. What have I done? My life must be a joke. That's not for Abu Salama ibn Abdul Rahman, he said, I visited Abu Huraira radhiyallahu when he was on his deathbed. Upon seeing his condition, I held him to my chest and I said in anguish, "Ya Allah, give shafaat to Abu Huraira radhiyallahu." So look how he's twitching without you know stopping the report. So this time comes Abu Salama ibn Abdul Rahman. He sees Abu Huraira and he's going through the death pangs. So he doesn't just make dua for him. He hooked him, Mm. brought him close to his chest, and then he made that dua from his heart. He goes, Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, cure Abu Hurairah, don't take him. Mm. Immediately, Abu Hurairah responded, Oh Allah, do not return it. (laughs) In other words, cancel that dua. Mm. He thereupon said, Oh Abu Salama, if you are to die, do it now. Mm. I responded, Oh, Abu Hurairah, we love life. He responded, By him in whose hand is Abu Hurairah's life, the scholars will soon face a time where death will be more beloved to them than gold. Indeed, one of you will approach the grave of his brother and will say, I wish I was in his place. Because that time is coming, O oh, Abu Salama. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Hakim in his Mustadraq, number 8,581, stated Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Zahabi Sahih, Abu Nuaim al Hiliyah number 1,048, relates similar. So notice, those who loved him, loved him. <laughs> and they don't want him to die. He goes, please give him shafa. Now, interesting, is that Sunnah? That's not Sunnah. The Prophet only put his hand on somebody, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he'd make a dua. Um, he put his hand and made a dua seven times, or oh, he would say, Why did Abu Salama hook him? Because love, you know, when a person says, You know, he's not thinking 100%. And do you start hooking a dying person? That's the you don't do that, but you could see because please begging Allah, don't take him, give him shafa. He knew that. Abu Salama's beloved to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. He knew this dua ma'a answered. So he cancelled it. He goes, oh Allah, don't read it. And I imagine if he was watching this, you're thinking, if a person is dying, he'd probably do everything to get his life back. Why does he want to go? Then look what he said. Oh Abu Salama, if you have the power to die, do it. He said, I want to go. He goes, you should also wish this. And look how humble he was. He didn't say, uh, you know, he said, we love life. If you love life, we don't want to die. But he's a tabi. Did he really love life? And then Abu huraira swore a qasim. He goes, the scholars will soon face a time where death will be more beloved to them than gold. Imagine how beloved is gold to a person. Somebody goes, I know something more beloved than gold to this person. What death? Why is death more beloved than gold? Because he's an alim. He's going to get persecuted. How bad will time get? And report mentions a person will be killed for simply saying Allah, that's a hadith. Has that time come? You know, you probably, some parts of Syria have heard people, if they say Allah, they'll get killed. Right? So, Lord, no, we should be yearning for death. Oh, we're yearning for death. Mm-hmm. Last thing on our minds. Mm-hmm. Then he said, One of you will approach the grave of his brother and will say, I wish I was in his place. Mm-hmm. Now, why does he say that? Doesn't he mean he wants to commit suicide. He just thinks he's safe from the fitna. He's died. I'm still alive. My man's in jeopardy. He's safe. Oh, how I wish I was in his place. And that passed from the Prophet as well, sallallahu alayhi wa in Sahih Muslim. So what's beautiful? He's dying and he's teaching. Think about that. When a person does he, you know, does the a person keep still keep teaching when he's dying? He's teaching. Al mm-hmm. maqburi he said Rahmatulday. Marwan, he called upon Sayyidina Abu Huraira, when he was in his fatal illness. He then upon said, upon seeing his critical condition, O Abu Huraira, may Allah cue you. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, cure Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira, then upon a dua, Allahumma inni uhibbu liqa'aka fa ahibba liqa'iyyi. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I love meeting you. So please love meeting me. Thereafter, Marwan had still not reached the people of Al-Qatar. I, a market where the bird sun grouse called Al-Qatar was sold when Abu Huraira passed away. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume four, page three three nine, al Saaba volume seven, page two hundred and six, half is Ibn al jawzi in a Sifat al-Safwa, Marif al Ahadid, volume four, page five six six of the New English Translation, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume three, page four three one of the old English translation. So look out rushing. Marwan. Marwan Ibn al-Hakam Rahmatullah comes rushing. Because Ya Allah cure him. And he, look what he says now, Abu Hurairah, I love to meet you, O Allah. <laughs> so please love to meet me. And Marwan's now running about, calling people. He goes to the marketplace where they send, where they sell birds called the sun grouse. And when he's there, Abu Huraira passes away, radiallahu. So now, can you pray for death, Did Abu Huraira? Pray for death. <laughs> And if you look very carefully, he wasn't praying for death. Mm-hmm. You could easily think that without you no know, listening very carefully. He's saying, I love to meet you, Allah. Mm-hmm. You love to meet me. Mm-hmm. What? Did, cure Abu Hurairah. He goes, Don't cure me. Mm-hmm. In other words, you could argue he's not asking for death, he just doesn't want to get cured. Mm-hmm. Did he say, Ya Allah, take my life? Mm-hmm. With regards to making a dua for death, we've got reports. Mm-hmm. Anas that our beloved Messenger said, let none of you wish for death due to a harm that befalls him. If one must say something, let him say this. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, keep me alive as long as being alive is better for me. And take my life if death is better for me. SubhanAllah. This is in Sayyih Bukhari, number 5,671. Sayyid Muslim, number 2,680. Two commands. Mm. The Prophet said, never pray for death. Anybody who does that, you tell him off. Mm. You must not pray for death. But if you are seeing no lie at the end of the tunnel, mm. this is as far as you could go. If death, if death is better for me, then take my life. But if life is better for me, then let me live. That's as far as you can go. How many people? Oh, I've had enough, brother, it's over now. I'm ready to go. And he goes, ready to go where? Scotland, right? Then he goes, no no brother, I'm ready. Ready for what? Right? I'm ready to die. Well what do you mean you got your ticket to paradise? And then you go, you can't make it though after death. And he goes, What do you mean you can't make it? The Prophet told you, why? Imam Nawbi said in Sharh Sahih Muslim 8 17, As for if a person fears harm or a trial in their religion, not their world, then there is no such dislike nature due to the implied meaning of this narration. What did the great Imam Nawawi say about this hadith in Bukhari and Muslim? Because the meaning of this hadith is that you only make this du'a if you fear a fitna for your deen. Not your dunya. So for instance, give you an example. Your whole world collapses. Business gone down. Families got smashed. Right? You're left with kacha. Imam Naube goes, you can't pray for death. because That's your world. I'll tell you, least, <laughs> I'm ready to go for dunya. But guess what? you're living comfortably, everything's going sweet, fantastic, money's coming in, all of a sudden you think, oh my God, I'm losing my Iman. I can't protect my Iman. The environment's over. It's overpowering. Now, you can make that law <laughs> Now look at how important it is to get the understanding of the hadith. You see people, they have, you know, one little problem, I'm ready to go now, right, they go, because the Prophet said it, oh, I'm gonna minute. <laughs> What's your problem? And the with some strange statement he goes well what it is I've got a really bad illness. That's not affecting your deen is it? He goes no but I can't live like that. Don't make that du'a you idiot. Mm-hmm. Right? And don't forget the du'a isn't for death the du'a is keep me alive as, as as being alive is better for me. Take my life if death is better for me. That's the understanding of the hadith. Mm-hmm. You're upsetting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. Consider Sayyidina Umar's dua. Do you know better than Umar? Mm-hmm. Amir al-Muminin Umar radiya Anhu at the end of his life, what did he say? Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have become old. I have grown weak. And my subjects have spread all over. Those take my life to you whilst I have not lost or been negligent in what you have ordered me to do. Subhanallah. So, this is an Imam Malik's muwatta Number 1560. Famous dua of Umar. People say well, what was that dua he made? Because he wanted to go. He wanted to go. Everybody goes. Oh, what did he want to go? What was his dua? He wanted to go. Why? Why did he want to go? And he goes. Uh, because he got fed up with dunya. <laughs> Stop coming out with bakwas. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing to do with dunya. He was feeling... I'm not, I, I'm losing the strength to obey you as a needle mumineen I haven't got the strength. In other words, my deen is going to get affected now, ya Allah, I'm getting old. My deen is going to get affected. Please take me before I lose the power to look after the Muslims. Did you know the hadith of the Prophet? Just go to the sahaba. Which one ever made a dua because of dunya? Ya Allah, I'm ready. Right? Ready for what? Ready for bed, right? It's only if your deen is affecting your deen. You think, "Oh, this is too much. Now you can make that. And I tell you what, they, they, that's not even on their radar. What should I dua for death, brother? It's just my deen. Just your deen. That's interesting. Deen is less important than your dunya. Subhanallah. Indeed, there's a direct report from Abdullah ibn Abbas. What did he say? I heard Rasulullah make this dua. Rasulullah's dua. Sallallahu Allah if you wish to test your slaves with regards to their deen, then take my soul back to you without subjecting me to that test. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. So, mm-hmm. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3,233. hundred and thirty-three. Sheikh al-Bani al stated stated, in Irwa al-Ghali, number 684, Rasulullah himself, sahih hadith, made a dua. What dua did he make? Mm-hmm. He said, if you wish to test your slaves, meaning with what? Their deen. Ya Allah, if you're going to set a test to test the servant's deen, please, I don't want to be around. Take my soul without subjecting me to that test with my deen. That's the understanding. Hmm. So note again, when you end up, and you're going to get tested, the world is the gham <laughs> It's the marketplace of worries? You know, just around the corner, some of the big disasters coming. Always ask yourself one question. Is this my deen? Is it my dunya? If it's dunya, sabr. If it's deen, and you're thinking, this is a tidal wave. Ya Allah, I'm not gonna get through this, please. Then you think, I can't see him. I might lose my Iman. Then in that desperate scenario, you've now been given a concession. Ya Allah, if life is better for me, let me live. If death is better for me, let me die. That is the understanding. And all of the reports indicate that. So why have I mentioned this here at Abu Hurairah's life? He never prayed for death. <laughs> because he knew. <laughs> he knew. And why did he want to leave before the year 60, 60 AH? Fitna for deen. <laughs> You understand? It's the deen, the fitna for the deen. It's going to affect your deen. You're going to start fighting. You're going to get confused. Who's right? Who's wrong? What's going on? Is ya Allah, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be around. You know, Allahu Akbar. Mm-hmm. So all I mentioned today was now we move on to the last section. And it's the passing away of Sayyidina Abu Haraira, r.a. And Lord, even when I'm talking about his passing away, you're still learning. It's like there's no end to you know the lessons he's leaving. with <laughs> And Lord, powerful lessons for anybody with iman and intellects. <laughs> Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah Bihamdi Swanallahum Bihamdika ishwalah illa and tastafuka tuba di lahrijdajim subhanahu rabbikability and my sifunas salamu shall be mad at the last. ولقد وفي ولصق انسان وفي حسن الذين اعرضوا على